so-called preventive light is Eric, don't forget to supplement. Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our show, Med Family. I am your host, Eric, and of course I'm hosting with Karen. Sorry, Karen. (laughs) The one time you actually are going to try to do the intro and I I cut you off. Oh, you're fine. (laughs) <laughs> you just gave me crap for not even attempting, so I thought, eh, I'll throw my name in there. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so we wanted to start this week off just doing a quick recap of last week. We Last week we had Patrick Bevan and Joseph Call on the show. Karen had the week off, and we were going over lots of the thoughts about rotations and medical school. I really wanted to thank them again for taking the time out of the schedule to come out and talk with us and talk on the show. I think that was, they had a lot of good insights. Um, hopefully we'll have more shows like that in the future uh, or have one of them or both of them back on at some point. One of the things I, I kind of wanted to just recap on that, the things I, I kind of liked about, so I would definitely encourage people who haven't listened to last week's episode to go ahead and give it another listen. But things I liked about it was A, they talked a lot, so I didn't have to talk a whole lot, and I, I really like that. As much as I do a lot of the talking on the show on the week-to-week, I don't particularly love talking. And the other things I kind of liked about the episode was uh, like Joseph Call had to talk about different fulfillments in medical school, and that kind of, that kind of hit me in the right spot of hearing that if you're getting, if you're waiting for the next <laughs> next stage to get fulfilled, then you need to maybe look a little bit deeper and try to find where you're at currently and how that how you can be fulfilled in that current spot. I and mean, maybe I'm getting a different message than he was intending, but that was kind of what I took away from his. And then Patrick's insight, uh, where he was told by a, another surgeon to just be really confident in the OR because if you're not, then they push you off to the side and they forget about you. So just kind of faking it until you make it sort of thing. And I think that's a, or feigning confidence. I think that's actually pretty good advice for a lot of the rotations is don't be arrogant, don't be overconfident, but at least approach it with some sort of idea. When your preceptor asks you if you can do something, say something on the order of, yeah, I'll give it a go. I've looked at it, read up on it, but if you could give me a little bit of help, I'll, I'll definitely do it. As long as you show that interest or confidence level, they're, they're not going to push you off to the side. Yeah. So what did you end up doing last week, Karen, When while we were doing the show? you were I was watching cooking shows, as always, <laughs> when I get a chance. And most of the time, it's little baby bum and I don't know what else. Uh, all those All those shows during that the kids watch during the day that are not all that exciting. So Eric doesn't particularly love to watch the cooking shows, so that's what I watch when he's not watching television with me. It's it's TV that you can just do something else while you watch the show. You don't really have to be engaged in it. I don't hate it. It's just I don't follow it. So like if you know, you're really rooting for um, El Samuel to win a Samuel that one kid when they had the, the oh, top show. Okay, yeah. The, that yeah. was a long time ago. <laughs> if you're really like, invested in one particular contestant, then, yeah, that's not me. I, I don't typically get too invested in a particular contestant. 
And so I don't really follow it too much. And unless Karen tells me. Who I want to win, yeah. That's what I did last week while they were doing the podcast was making sure that the kids stayed in their beds and away from our bedroom and then watching television. But, I mean, it was nice to have the week off last week because I wasn't feeling all that great. So that worked in our favor. Well, it almost didn't even happen. I know. <laughs> it's kind of like behind the scenes sort of thing. I, we had something else set up and it kind of fell apart last minute. And then we called up Joe and Patrick and they were like, yeah, sure, we'll do it. And they put on a great show. <laughs> they did a really good, really good job at last minute. So kind of Very thankful. Best, best laid plans, right? Like it's happened twice now. Where we kind of have a different plan ready to go and then it kind of falls apart and... Yeah, we we're go to still plan B. We're, yeah, we're still working on I had read an article a few weeks back about different deliveries for women per state and their um, experiences. And so uh, Eric and I had talked about this for a little bit. And so we we have been working on getting like Kylie and Brandon on to talk about it, but I mean they just had a baby. So we'll Okay, see. I was kind of curious <laughs> of how you you went from Plan B was our... Well, our, this was Plan A. Kylie Brennan <laughs> was Plan A, but they just had a baby, so like everything is, is up in the air. So okay. I, we will, I was we really, will eventually I was try lost. and get there, but that's, yeah, Patrick that's, that's and, an idea. and Joseph were, were Plan B. and <laughs> Yeah, we had a different topic that we were going to do, and that didn't work out just yet. We're try, I think we're still trying to make that work, so that's something in the works. I keep always telling Karen that like I don't want to promise something. I don't want to pitch an idea. I'm not promising it. I said we were working on it. They yeah. have a baby. But then and... if it doesn't happen, then the audience knows we didn't do it. Well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, honest, but I... only up to a certain point, we're honest. <laughs> there are other people that are having babies or have had babies here that we could have on. It doesn't have to be yeah, highly So we can kind of highlight that yeah. woman's health. Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. But I don't know. The article interested me, me just because, like, coming from Washington, I think we were rated, like, within the top 10. And oh, so yeah. I was just like, huh, I wonder what experiences would be like here. Anyways, that is off topic. <laughs> <laughs> the last couple of weeks, we've I've been doing homeschool with the kids. Math still seems to be the bright spot of our day. The reading, not so much, but we are getting there. Um I think I'm going to stick with what I'm doing for like another month, month and a half. And then if it's, if I don't feel like I'm seeing progress, then we'll switch it up to something else, which is the beauty of homeschooling. You just try and figure out something that'll work. Karen so. has some theory on why our oldest son has his reading, like why he's not getting with the program with the reading. Is it, he was mixing up letters and then trying to convince you that they were the yeah. other other way around. He was trying to convince me that I was wrong. I was like, no, child. No. But he just doesn't want to do it. He's very confident in himself. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of repetition, what we, are, what we are currently doing. And so he repeats after me. So it's not a ton of thought that goes into it. I mean, you do have to pay attention because you go from one thing to the next and then we'll go back and then he does it. So we do it together, and then we go back, and he does it. So he does have to pay attention, but come on, child. Like, <laughs> it's a work in progress. It is I a mean, work in progress. It's it's school. It's homeschooling. It's not easy. It's not only is ever really easy. 
No, I'm trying to make it fun. Like, I, I'm glad that they enjoy the math, and then we tend to do a physical activity or something in between subjects so that they are, they've got some wiggles out and can sit still for a little bit. We got, Oliver is very much into robots and airplanes and all that stuff, so I ended up getting a rocket science book and a airplane science book. We haven't opened the airplane one yet. Oh no, we it, have, we have like, it's like comic books. Yeah, yeah. Okay, It's yeah. comic science. Those uh, ones are kind of hard to, because he wants you to read it to him, and it's really hard to read a comic book to a kid, because comic books are meant to have like multiple people talking, almost like separately. It's hard. Maybe I need to get a little bit more inventive, and that might be my, my do, problem. You don't do voices? That's probably what I need to be doing, is what okay. I was just thinking. Because he will sit there. That is the ol- That is the only books that I have bought for him, that he will sit there and we can get through. Like, those are thick. They're thick. They are thick. And There's a lot of writing now. Yeah. I've gotten halfway <laughs> through. And for a he, comic book. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it is legitimate science. So... I've gotten halfway through in one sitting before, which is pretty impressive for Oliver. So I figured since that's what he's interested in, that's what we're going to go with. I got, what do you call those little, like, airplanes that you you, you Like helicopters. Yeah, the little helicopter like, toys. Like a, I don't know, like a weird helicopter on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> that you, uh, you rub your hands together and shoot them off. Yeah, I got those because it talked about those in the book. And when it was talking about the Wright brothers. And then I got paper airplane book that he could do with daddy on the weekends, which he's very excited for. And I forgot to do it, have you. We'll, do we'll it. try to get it, yeah. break it out this weekend. Yeah. So we're, I'm trying to do some fun things along with the, the things that you need to know this. So do you want to update the audience on the, the fitness competition? I have lost every week. It's not fair. What's what's the score? I I, just, I forgot. I lost count. <laughs> I I don't know how many weeks we've been doing this. To be quite honest, four. I think it's like six. Okay, <laughs> I have lost every week, but I mean the good thing is is I'm not having to remind Eric to work out. He's not having to remind me to work out. I am doing at least three days a week, if not more. Same with you. I am a little frustrated because. So as much as I ha- I have the rowing machine, I have the bike at home. I ride the bike at home and the kids are like, hey, there's like this lever on the bike that you stop the wheel. Yeah, the kids like to just push that or try and stick things on the wheel as it's going. Or if you're on the rowing machine, they'll get behind you and push on your back, which means, helping. <laughs> which means you can't pull it all the way back. But um I have been trying to do like get them all sitting down for like lunch or dinner, and then and then do something, which My, has. Been... I have a, an, a slightly similar issue where I had thought that maybe the best opportunity for me to work out would be bright and early in the morning. Get up at five thirty, five forty-five. Kids don't get up until six thirty-seven o'clock, and yes, that's right, six thirty-seven o'clock. And I would get some, you know, a half an hour, hour of of exercise in the early morning but for some reason they must have read our minds and decided that they are now going to get up at four five o'clock now so i don't know what happened i don't know what the change was but i'm very very unhappy (laughs) (laughs) it's not it's not working (laughs) i am unhappy four is not the time to. i keep telling them if the sun is still asleep so it must you be but it doesn't seem to be working 
No. Um, <laughs> so we're going on like a week and a half of them getting up so early. So early. Super early. <laughs> and I, I know I can't complain because Karen's been really good about letting me sleep a little bit longer. I know she's been really good about it. And if you can't see that, it's air quotes. Because I think I've come out maybe two or three days this week and she's been a little mad at me for doing that. <laughs> like this morning, our son climbed into bed. Daddy, Daddy, Xander's awake. That's okay. And I'm sitting there like, no, it's not. It's totally okay. I don't understand. <laughs> and we, I had specifically told him last night because we stayed up to watch TV. I was like, if they wake up early, it's all you. And he's like, I know. Yeah, it, I was the one that got to bed. <laughs> I feel like I did something. You loaded the dishwasher. I appreciated it. There we go. I even made coffee. See, I, I did at least two things, which... The bar is pretty low at this point. Like, well, it, it could be up honest, a little bit higher. <laughs> it could be well, a little higher. He fixed my my tire blue, and so he got me a new tire, which took away some of his study time, and I didn't have to go to this go with all the kids to go get a new tire, which I appreciated. And you did something else for me this week. This week? oh, you made some phone calls for me that I didn't want to do. Yeah, yeah, I I don't know. For someone who spent a lot of her time on the phone during her last job, Karen is not a phone person. I have never been a phone person. I will do it if I have to do it, but I, I just don't. I no. I would much rather email you or text you or any any or see you in person than talk to you on the phone. And it's not you. I just don't like being on the phone. I don't know. Anywho, this is how it is, I guess. <laughs> so, Eric got to do. The phone calls for me. I think I still have one more to do. Oh, okay. But most of them are done. <laughs> which is fine. I mean, I do the investments, which is all online. I did look up, by the way. That is about the normal charge. Oh, okay. So we're not getting ripped off. Cool. No, we're not getting ripped off. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> but... I can, I can look into other investment firms. Our investment firm got bought out, and we got switched to a different company. Well, we moved to moved across the country, and I and the other uh, guy who was managing our mutual funds, IRAs. So we had some money. Our retirement. Our plans. retirement plans from our former jobs. So we still we put some money aside trying to be responsible adults. And when we left those jobs, we had to roll them into IRAs, and now we're trying to figure it all out what, seven, eight, nine months past the fact. <laughs> we're really on top of it, apparently. <laughs> but speaking, kind of going back to when you were talking about not wanting to talk to people, I'm going to segue into the psych ro rotation. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, did you have something else you wanted to talk about? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so getting back to talking about talking to people, it's essentially what psych, the psych rotation in person has been. A lot of, I just want to do at least a couple updates on that since... Last time I think we updated it, it was like my first week. I had seen maybe one or two days worth of patients, and basically it was pretty humbling. Pretty much like got most of my diagnosis, my differential was wrong, <laughs> and was told as much. And it's been it, it's been a growing experience. I think there's a few kind of great things about psychiatry, and I'll, I'll kind of get more into that. But the basic clip notes are it's gotten way better like I, i've actually enjoyed the rotation a lot more and one of the things that i like there's a lot of things I like about psychiatry but one of the things that really stands out is 
every patient you talk to is so different from the next. Like, and that sounds dumb <laughs> because you go, well, in, in family medicine, your patient, your next one patient after the next is going to have a very different story. And that's true, but you're going to get like a whole bunch of patients who are diabetic. And so you're just treating diabetes. You're treating dyslipidemia. But in psych, you get, and this is probably for this rotation, psych, you can be talking to someone who has autism. You leave the room, you present, and the next patient you see has schizophrenia or bipolar. The next patient has PTSD. The next patient has depression. And it's, that's all, you know, not great for those patients, obviously. Like, nobody, uh, no one's happy that they have those things. But it makes it really, really interesting for a rotation because you're seeing a lot of everything and you're seeing very different presentations and the other thing that kind of makes this rotation good and interesting with that with that knowledge is that because the structure of it is is we go in and we do a history we just basically treat the patient as if they're a new patient and we get like their entire history and so maybe if if we were treating them exactly like a follow-up if i had an actual relationship maybe that would be a little bit different but like you get to hear someone's story basically you get to hear a new patient's story every time you sit down and talk to them and it's i don't know it's kind of cool so you're doing a lot of that history taking as well and that's another you're just kind of honing that skill of how to talk to patients and how to get information from the patient like you're trying to figure out you're trying to create a differential diagnosis based on what the patient's telling you. And then maybe if you know going in that they were diagnosed with bipolar, you're just trying to challenge some of those assumptions. You may be trying to expand out a little bit. Um, if the patient says that they just had depression, anxiety, or general uh, generalized anxiety disorder, or uh, adult ADHD, then you're trying to maybe challenge some of those assumptions and go, okay, well, maybe do they have bipolar manic do they have a personality disorder do they have uh, are they on the autism spectrum so you're kind of you're asking questions to rule in or rule out other diagnoses while you're getting a lot of the history and so a lot of that's kind of fun because you're really working on it. and the patients are really cooperative generally speaking they're not mad about having someone to talk to and someone who's interested in their history and I mean, most people like talking about themselves, let's be honest. So it's not, it's not meant to be a selfish thing. It's just these patients are getting a lot of extra attention. And they're pretty happy about that. So that's a lot of things I, I really like about psych. And so some, one of the things, some of the things that we kind of came up with last week, I, I wanted to kind of divide this up into kind of two sections because there are certain days where we present to a nurse practitioner because the doctor um, is not available, and there's certainly we present to the doctor because she is available. And so there's like different pros and cons to that, obviously. Like sometimes when you present to the doctor, you get a little bit more, you get more feedback, but you can also, <laughs> you can be wrong. But, some, but as you're going along, we're getting a little bit better at this. So when we present to nurse practitioners, it kind of feels good because like we're presenting information nurse practitioner knows exactly what we're talking about where we're coming from and they basically just use our history when they go and talk to the patient and just build off of it and so it kind of feels nice to to feel like we contributed to the patient's 
care or history so the nurse practitioner isn't having to redo all of our work uh, of course when we go and present to the doctor the doctor she doesn't uh, she doesn't necessarily build off of our work um, I think in her her philosophy and mentality is she is going to see the patient and she's going to lay eyes on them and she's looking for a few things along the way like um, how do they react when she says certain things how do they how's the body language how's the speech pattern so she's looking at a whole lot of other things when she's talking to these patients so usually with those ones what i like is what, I, what i've been paying attention to anyway is when she asks questions I mean, in my head i'm going okay is that what the patient told me yes is that what i told the doctor yes okay good we're me and the doctor have made similar choices in how we got to certain places we've asked similar questions I'm, am I am I obtaining the correct information? And I think all in all, I I I feel like there's certain definitely certain times I see a patient and I miss a couple questions that the doctor has found that are key questions. And then there been a maybe bigger majority where I feel like I have asked all the key questions. I've gotten all the the the, the essential questions you need in order to come to a conclusion on what the patient's got going on. And how you're going to proceed so and it's, it's really an interesting thing and even on top of that i didn't even mention like sometimes you get patients who have emergency appointments because they have some sort of a psychological issue that like emer- like uh let's say uh they have suicidal ideation so they're they've mentioned possibly wanting to kill themselves and so you get them in real quick like the same day appointment and then you get to do a quick interview and those are like important right like because you don't want to screw that up like somebody who is obviously suffering in some way they don't want to be alive and someone has made an appointment for them or they've made their own appointment they're showing up and then you get to ask them very tough questions that maybe seem awkward to the typical person but as a medical student and as a physician you just got to ask questions and sometimes you just got to say one of my go-to things is like look i know this is going to be a weird question but i got to ask it have you thought about suicide? What do you think about that? Have you had any thoughts of suicide? And then they say, yes, I've had thoughts. And then I go, what, what, do you have a plan? And you kind of go into that. You just leave, you let one question lead to the next. And you can gather some good information. And I feel like a lot of the patients were generally pretty honest. Um, you do have to be careful, of course. Like some patients can be lying. <laughs> some patients, you know, patients do lie. Um not all. I don't want to make it sound like all patients are lying to you, and that's uh, that is one thing that doctor, uh, the doctor we my our preceptor has kind of said is that you really shouldn't go into an appointment thinking that your patient is lying to you because uh, this is at least regarding fictitious disorder. Like if you think the patient is malingering or has fictitious disorder, that if you go into the appointment immediately thinking that like you might as well not have gone into the appointment essentially because you're not going to believe anything the patient says. So you're not really going to get any useful information as far as you're concerned. So either case, it's pretty, pretty interesting because you're not really doing physical exams, like not at all. You're not pulling out your stethoscope. This is all just what you can observe with your eyes, what you can hear with your ears, and then how, how, you, how are you going to ask questions to get the patient to tell you what, what you need to know? Because if you don't ask, the patient's not going to tell you. So you guys got to find ways to ask things and make it seem natural. 
Yeah, because there are ways to make an interview seem more conversational as opposed to, I am I need to get these questions asked and answered. And, I mean, that's all a dance, isn't it? Yeah, and, and maybe sometimes you start out like that. Like, if you're interviewing a depressed patient, you're going, in your head, you're going, okay, I got to cover SIGI CAPS, which is the, the acronym for Major Depressive Disorder. And so, you know, S is sleep. So, okay, I got to ask about their sleep. Is it been abnormal were, i is interest has there been a change in their interest <laughs> g is guilt do they have feelings of guilt and that one's a little tricky because in my mind i don't really count like there's sometimes you ask that question and the patient will be like well of course i have guilt like i feel bad about my past drug addictions or whatever and in my mind it's like well that's normal that's you know as a human being you it's normal to be um, sorry for things that you've done in the past. Uh, where it becomes an issue, it's like, I feel bad that my family or my, my loved ones have to deal with me. That I feel guilty that my condition is causing everyone else's a problem. And so that, I think that's where, I don't know, that, that, does that difference make sense to you? Yeah. Okay. Because that one can lead to other things like... It would be better if I was out of the picture or Yeah, like it, it leads to an action or, as opposed yeah. to like one is just like, if I think back to my, my teenage years, I really wish I wouldn't have done X, Y, or Z. Like yeah. there, everyone, I think everyone has these regrets. And then you get to like, I'm sorry, I'm going to go for the entire acronym because if I don't, I'm going to. So <laughs> <laughs> E for the SIG, sig e, uh, is energy. So high energy, low energy, usually low energy for depressed and then C is concentration, that they've been having issues concentrating. A is appetite, any change in the appetite. I think typically increased appetite in depression, but you could get an atypical with increased a decreased appetite. I'm going to have to double check my notes on that. P is psychomotor. psychomotor. That one, at least as far as my two weeks of experience goes, is really just observed. And... Wow. <laughs> if I edit, you don't know what psychomotor is, you you go to a psych rotation, you will see psychomotor disturbances. Like patients who, as they're talking to you, their leg just starts shaking or um, they start rocking back and forth. And some of them, you know, it's just like normal rocking, like not normal, but like slightly rocking. Some of the patients you'll run into will have like incredible... I don't know, the, the head moves probably like three, four, three to feet, three feet on every motion. And when you talk to them, they, they just say, well, I can't stop it. You know, I try to stop it and then I can stop it for a little while. Then oh, subconsciously, I just start doing it again. Like It's like the mom's way, but worse. The what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the mom's way. Like, like you're holding two, like two people are holding a baby and like suddenly you notice that they're both in sync as they're rocking back and forth. Yeah, that's true. One doesn't even have a child, but they're just, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Just, just the nap. No, that's, that's, that's a good point. Uh, that's actually a good example, I think, is you're, sub, you're unconsciously doing it. I don't want to say subconsciously, but unconsciously doing it. And then S is suicidality. And, you know, I, 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 I feel pretty strongly that, like, the S in suicidality, you just kind of have to ask that straight out. Like, you you can beat around the bush like some people do that but i feel like in a lot of times like you just ask it straight out especially if patients come into a health kit health mental health provider they're going to answer the question like they're not going to lie to you 
that but that one and that question is kind of the most pivotal pivotal right like because if they say yes and they say oh yeah by the way i have a plan your entire treatment plan is changing like you might have started off thinking i'm just going to adjust a few of your ssris i might add a i might add a atypical antipsychotic medication to your your plan but as soon as they say like yeah i i, I have a plan i you know I, I definitely have these thoughts of suicide and i really don't like i don't want to be alive anymore right there it's like my, my treatment plan has changed and it might very well involve admitting you to a psych unit like we want to make sure you don't act on that impulse we don't want anyone to kill themselves yeah well and that's a question that you're going to have to ask in other specialties as well yeah and the only other question and this one coming as a not really coming from washington but coming from my family and kind of our political religious beliefs because after you kind of ask about suicide you gotta you gotta see what problems or things that they have in their life that could lead to completion and one of the biggest questions there is like do you own a gun especially in the south like how many people in the south own a gun probably a good amount so you everybody so you gotta (laughs) ask that question like hey is there a gun in your house and i know people get really nervous about this and i know this also gets asked in like pediatric appointments and other things for different uh non-suicide related questions but in psych i feel like it's a it's an important question because opportunity if you have a gun in the house you opportunity you, you are depressed and suicidal especially if you're a male um the gun is a great you know great opportunity to kill yourself and that's not good we don't want we don't want you to kill yourself so that's a sound bite <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i know people get really nervous about that question because they think you know you're typing that into your note that note's now a medic you know a legal document of some kind and there's of course like notions that you know the government might have access to or someone's going to get access and knows what guns you have and i know that's a it's a very private matter for a lot of people and i think i've seen a lot online where it's like none of your business no i don't have any guns is the appropriate response and that's that's their prerogative obviously but you know it's healthcare it just if you're not a healthcare provider and you're listening to this that question from a psych or a mental health standpoint is really just about your safety is really just about how high of a risk are you for suicide completion how much should the physician be worried and of course, that, that doesn't just go to guns. I think it also goes to like pharmaceuticals. Like what kind of pharmaceuticals are you have access to? Because if you have access to benzos or opiates or any sort of drug, sleeping pills, stuff like that, that you could kill yourself with, then that would be also a concern. And of course, like past, past attempts, are of course, a big indication of future attempts. I think that is the biggest. That, that was like one of those shelf questions. And I haven't had a shelf yet, but... They always say, like, what's the best indication of someone having or completing suicide or uh, committing suicide? And it's usually previous attempts. So that was a, that was a bit of a rant there. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, you're doing so going back to the main thing where I started Siggy Caps is and maybe initially you're doing you're going through the Siggy Caps. You're just going through the S to the I, the G, E, etc. And you're asking it just like that. Have you had problems of concentrating? Do you have any change in appetite? And that's not a very natural conversation. 
it doesn't come across natural. It, and I think if I, if I was the patient, I would probably know immediately that you're going through a checklist of some kind. Well, the whole goal is to get somebody comfortable with you. And sometimes getting them comfortable with you is, and this is just from a, I mean, I'm not any way medically in, inclined, but um, just tell me about yourself and then check off the boxes as they tell you about themselves. Yeah, right? you, get, you get them to talk about what do you, what do you do for fun? And that they might tell, tell you what they like to do and then. Well, have you been able to do that lately? And they'll tell you basically whether or not they have been. So they'll tell you right there. They tell you their interest, and they tell you why they they are or not are not doing what they're interested in. Right there, you got your I, and you possibly have your E, and you might even have your S. Like you have, a, you get a lot of stuff from like just a couple questions. If your patient's cooperative, I mean, I've had I've had a couple patients who it's like pulling teeth sometimes. Because um, like one was an emergency consult, and it was a teenage teenager, and you know, uh, as a thirty-two-year-old, I can definitely relate to teenagers. <laughs> and then another one was like a very a much older gentleman, and I think he was a little put off that he was dealing with a medical student and not the doctor. Which, you know, he came to see the doctor, and all the information's in his chart. <laughs> he didn't come for the for for the. Uh, the uh searching through his life history and to learn everything about him like that's not what he came for and i can see what i understand it's not it's not personal it's something I, I, that was something i learned when i was a surgery coordinator is that sometimes you get grumpy patients who are grumpy because they're in pain or whatever reason and it's not personal it's not they, they don't they're not mad at you they're just mad at what situation they didn't put into Karen's giving me a look like, no, so they're not just grumpy. No, no, no. No, I worked <laughs> in billing. Believe me, most people are grumpy, and it isn't my fault. <laughs> it's just how the system works. <laughs> I always felt bad because it's, it's a lot of misinformation out there. And, I mean, there are some things that the way it works doesn't necessarily always make sense. But the spirit of whatever law is for the overall protection of yeah, the elderly yeah. or yeah, who, I mean, whomever. The, some of it's well-intentioned, maybe poorly executed. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I can understand some frustration, but at the same time, sometimes things are the way they are because they just are. If you don't like <laughs> it, figure out a way to change it, right? So, do we want to talk about this next section, or do we want to leave it off? Do you, what do you think? Uh, it is up to you. Okay. I, I'm going to talk about it just because... It's a little bit personal for me, and maybe someone else who's listening, a med- medical student and whatnot, might find themselves in a similar boat, and they can do, they can take similar actions, or they can work it out. Well, first tell them what prompted. Yeah, so I was doing, uh, in the psych rotation as usual, and so you're learning all the ins and outs of all these different disorders, the anxiety disorder, the panic disorders, and et cetera, and so... I was, you know, learning all that, and then I, on la- um, last Friday, yeah. we had a, it was Friday before, we had a presentation that, you know, we, our, my team of cohorts had to present to the doctor, the preceptor, and knowing the preceptor as being a bit, in- very, very intelligent, and maybe 
she wants this to be very detailed and also concise. <laughs> so she has high expectations and that's fine. I was just incredibly nervous for this presentation. And I think most people feel pretty nervous about presentations because public speaking is really very few people's forte. And it definitely has never been mine. And I've done Toastmasters. I've done, <laughs> I'm 32 years old. I've done a few presentations, but I've always had this thing that happens where like my heart just goes super fast. I get super sweaty. I, I feel like I'm short of breath. Like as I'm talking, I'm talking faster and faster. I have to pause and try to take a breath real quick. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say he had mentioned that he had gotten alert on his watch. Oh, yeah. About his heart rate spiking. And when he looked back at it, it was during the presentation. And that prompted him to be like, maybe I should actually go see somebody for this. Yeah, because looking at my health app, because we have the Apple Watches, um, as you know, for our fitness stuff. And I was looking over some of the health app stuff. And I just said, you have two two notifications from October you know, 6th or whatever. And I was like, huh. What was going on during that time? And then you looking at the time, it's like, well, that was about the time I was giving my presentation. Like, and these are heart alerts that are basically like, it seems like you weren't moving, but your heart rate was really elevated. And the only other time that actually has happened, this is kind of maybe maybe a little too personal, but uh, not personal. But I was invited uh, on a Friday evening out to drinks with uh, the time I went to Macon with uh, okay. some of the other guys, and I actually got an alert on my watch during the. Because I was standing outside having a drink in the group, and I was just talking to a few people, and like I got the alert, like my heart was going really, really fast, and you know I was a little nervous. I don't like you know I don't want to make a fool of myself in any in any regard. So anyway, that kind of prompted me to think maybe maybe I should get it looked at. Maybe I should talk to my primary care doctor. And I'm in psych. I understand some of the mechanisms of why this is happening, and. My primary care doctor was really good about it. He, I mean, he's been pretty encouraging so far. And I think initially he started out saying he would like to put me on a SSRI. So a serotonin, uh, sorry, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. It's an antidepressant. It's used for a lot of things. And it's not just an antidepressant, but mostly used for antidepressants. And this is actually probably the first time ever seeing a doctor that... I've actually behaved like a probably a patient should behave. You know, like you, I'm I'm used to the kind of the paternalistic, the doctor tells me what to do, I do it kind of relationship with the doctor. Like, doctor, you just tell me what you think is best, and I'll just do it. And this was like the first time I was like, I would rather not take an SSRI. <laughs> and there's a few reasons for that. And I'll, I can get back into that later. But I ended up like just having a discussion with the doctor because I think I was thinking I was leaning more towards like the social phobia issue. Public <laughs> and speaking. Public speaking, yeah. Which, according to online med ed, is usually treated by beta blockers. And I, and I have, I feel like beta blockers are less, <laughs> less worrisome than SSRIs. And, and I'll get more, into, again, I'll get back into the SSRIs. Well, and you, there, there was another student that you had talked to that had something similar and that's what... He, he was. Doing. I think that's what he was doing, and he had found a lot of a benefit from it. And I mean, not only did it help him perform better in, in his rotations, but perform better with presentations as well as tests. Like dealing with some of that anxiety, 
<laughs> that, that can cause you to be distracted or cause you not to focus on the, the problem at hand can be beneficial, um, especially as medical students. So, I mean, naturally, like, there's a part of me that wants to be like, well, there's a non-pharmaceutical way to handle this, and that's just get better at speeches, get better at public speaking, you know, try to confront your anxiety and get over it kind of thing. And I think my primary care doctor definitely recommended some strategies that I'll try to take advantage of. But, I mean, in the meantime, I, I still want to perform well on my rotations. I still want to do a good job and not let any of my classmates down, not let myself or my family down. So, in the meantime, uh, they, I have, I'm on a, a very low-dose beta blocker. So, hopefully that will be beneficial. But I want to, I guess, circle back of why I didn't choose the SSRI. Um, and this is not really like, again, like if you need an SSRI for depression, anxiety, whatever it is, uh, PTSD, definitely is not a bad drug. It doesn't have a lot of side effect profile. That's why it's used for just about, just about everything in psychiatry. But there's a couple of reasons. Like one, you can't just stop. You, once you're... Once you dose your way up to the maximum effective dose that you need, it take. I mean, a it takes like four weeks or so, two to four weeks to really become effective, and that has something to do with the plasticity of your brain. They they've kind of found that it's not like a you take the drug and drug acts directly. It has something to do with the receptors changing over a little bit and have a little bit of plasticity in the neurons, and it takes a little bit of time. So. If I was looking for something that would help me with a presentation next week, probably not going to be the drug that I would want to take. Two, you can't just stop it. You, once you get up to that maximum dose and you want to come off of it, it's going to take a little while. Because otherwise you get the uh, like antidepressant withdrawal syndrome or something like that. And it can like nausea, <laughs> instability, hyperarousal. I think that's like the Finnish acronym. Flu-like symptoms, irritability, insomnia. Um, anyway, like a lot of things you just don't want. And part of my mentality is I just, I really want to get over this fear of public speaking or this like anxiety. And I know beta blockers, you can't also stop cold turkey, but I'm on, on like a 10 milligram <laughs> beta blocker. And I don't think I'm going to have a problem getting off of that. Yeah, it's like the second to lowest dose. I think it's like the lowest. <laughs> I would have, I guess I don't know. But so there's that. And the other part of it is like it is an antidepressant. So I mean this is probably just a personal thing. I, I don't want to be on an antidepressant. I don't feel like I'm depressed. I don't feel like I have a lot of mood issues. So I, I just would prefer not to be on an antidepressant. And that that's more of a me. Like, I, I don't know, I, I have to deal with that kind of stigma kind of thing. Like, you know, you, oh, this person's on an antidepressant and they must be X, Y, or Z. And I, I don't want to have that hanging over me. And that, that's, a, that's a me issue. That's an that's Eric issue. <laughs> <laughs> After working in Billing, almost... There's a lot of people There on, are a ton a lot of, people. of people on antidepressants. And that's not necessarily meaning that... They're uh, not less than or anything like that. No, and it, they can be used for different things. Either way, I, I, I just I just wanted to share a little bit of that in case anyone, any other medical student was having similar issues, you know, during test taking, during presentations, anything like that. And and again, I know there's going to be someone out there who's going to say, well, everyone gets stage fright. 
you know, everyone gets nervous. And I, and I think that's true, but I think it, when it comes, it starts affecting your ability to actually perform. That's when maybe you might consider, you know, like <laughs> if you feel like you have physiological changes that are like affecting your performance and functionality, then it might not be the worst idea to get it checked out, get it managed until you can either confront it or whatever. And again, like my, my primary care doctor said, he said that you eventually you're going to get through it. Like you're, you're going to do so many presentations as a resident that it's going to be second nature. It's not going to be a big deal. And eventually I won't need this medication. And I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to, I guess. Anyway, that was a fun little note to, to end, it to up. end on. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Nope. Uh, this week is ending with shelf. Yes. So and yeah. And next rotation, I believe for you is pediatrics. Yeah, I haven't gotten a, a confirmation saying exactly that. Oh, but I apologize. According to the schedule that I was able to find, some I found a schedule somewhere. It, it seems like pediatrics is going to be my next one, and I'll be in person. So that that'll be kind of a nice change. Going from in person to in person, he'll have his last three weeks of studying before his next shelf, right before Thanksgiving, as online. So that can be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. And I'm feeling pretty confident going into this psych shelf because I've done three practice exams now, all passing. I wish I was seeing like an actual improvement in my score going up. And that could just be for a few various reasons. But I think... It's my fault. No, it's not. I am <laughs> the fault. student. I get my to tire. make my schedule. I make my <laughs> schedule. I understand what I need to do. It's If I'm not doing it, it's my fault. Um... <laughs> so I'm going to study a lot this week when I'm not in clinic and just really try to aim for that high pass I think it's obtainable I definitely think it's obtainable this time around and yeah really looking forward so next next week we'll probably do an update on the shelf exam maybe some pointers of what to do maybe differently for that shelf and of course we're still working on that project so yeah how can they find us, Karen? If they, if someone wants to Instagram MedFamilyMD, as always, I think Eric posts it to almost any. Yeah, so I, I yeah, <laughs> I, I, I posted it to an RSS feed, which should go to all podcasting hosting, so Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, uh, Apple iTunes, or yeah, iTunes, I think. Yeah, yeah it goes it goes Overcast, a whole bunch of places, so. You should be able to find the podcast at whatever convenient podcast hosting that you like to do. And I think we're going to try to find a function for Instagram that maybe will link and you can choose where you get to go as opposed to going to the Apple iTunes store and then or the uh, podcast uh, app and then then trying to figure out how to listen to it. So we're going to try to get a little bit more savvy on the technology, but... I'm not too savvy. <laughs> <laughs> this is, a, like I said, an amateur hobby. So we're, we're doing our best. <laughs> if there's topics you would uh, like us to discuss or tackle, feel free to reach out. Yeah, you can comment on any of the Instagram posts. Or uh, I don't know if there's a messaging capability in Instagram. I'm kind of, I've never used it. But in either case... You can also leave a comment on uh, the Apple iTunes uh, podcast. Five stars would be great. So maybe we can get a bigger audience. But either way, we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good week.